0: Hey, welcome to the Ghostman radio station and today I'm talking to J.T. Maticus, author, producer, medical editor, it's Genour, which I always find hard to say, his new medical drama, thriller novel, with real life medical science, no second chances. A first novel of five, the Phytonal Diagnosis series, Phytonal Diagnosis, No Second Chances, is a thriller novel, also catch, teaches you medicine. Embedded within the capturing plot of real-life medical scenarios, where the reader can watch the hero and the diagnose and treat patients. The characters of the plot are fiction, but the medical cases are real. You're learning medicine, but it won't feel like any kind of study you, that you've done. Before the novel series tackles hard hitting themes, realities, American medical industry, including medical students are suffering. One third medical students is being symptoms of depression at some point in their lives. Suicide rates among doctors and medical students are astronomical. America is heading towards a catastrophic shortage of doctors, among others. Two behind disease, insurance, and medical community. Additionally, the first novel has already taken life. In the form of a film set to premiere in May 2020. The novels of upcoming film are consistent with J.T. Medicus philosophy to revolutionize medical education, bring it into the 21st century. The psychological tension, depth of characters, and fast paced plot were entertaining to the average reader as well as the medical expert. The novel is available on Amazon. And hi, Jason, how are you today? Oh,
1: I'm good. It's, uh, it's sunny finally. California. We had uh, quite a couple storms rolling on us, uh, one at Thanksgiving and uh, one right before this uh, interview.
0: Now, what inspired you to write your book?
1: Well, I studied medicine for three years, so I naturally uh, wanted to uh, <laughs> teach medicine. Um, and from teaching medicine, I wanted to write scenarios that doctors would face And most of the scenarios that doctors would face um, are written very blandish and boring and kind of dry. So I spiced it up, add some characteristics to the patients, gave the doctors some personality, and lo and behold, you know, you add those two together, add a little spy mystery, some drama, and you've got a novel, apparently.
0: Did you find it hard to do the the non Fiction, the um, fictional side more than the non-fictional side obviously with a doctor training it was probably it, easier yeah. just to write the medical parts
1: yeah I agree um, it was, it was a, a transition because I started off um, actually my first book um, was um, a non-fiction it's 50 pages, there is a fictitious story in there to kind of um, make it less dry but the point is uh, the, the title of it is "Is There a Doctor Aboard." It's actually addressing the doctor shortage issue that we have worldwide—not just the U.S., but worldwide—we have a doctor shortage. So, my first novel—not uh, novel, but say nonfiction book—was called uh, "Is Called." It's uh, "Is There a Doctor Aboard," and it basically tells—it's um, like a like a manifesto on why I do what I do, why I teach medicine on YouTube, why I created QB.com, the medical question bank. And why I even wrote the novels is to basically teach medicine as well as make medicine entertaining and also address the issue that we have a doctor shortage and we need to fix uh, a broken system that isn't pumping out enough doctors for the future.
0: And did you find that whilst in the process of writing the book, when you was putting the characters in your situation that you were putting them in, Did you find you was reliving some of the things that you've actually experienced yourself?
1: Well, yeah, so um, writing the fictitious book uh, was easy because um, a lot of the characters are actually based off of my own personality. Uh, For example, one of the doctor is OCD. So um, there's not a doctor that's not a little bit OCD. You have to be a bit OCD to... Catch the symptoms and diagnose the patient. So, so that was more embellished in one of the characters. Um, another character has, uh, well, let's just say anger management. Uh, we all have anger management issues, but um, you know, uh, it's it's how we resolve and deal with it. And I remember moments in my life where I was very angry, and now I'm I'm, I'm a lot better now. <laughs> I'm
0: more well, calm. I think we've all experienced that, my friend. We've all, if we're honest enough.
1: So yes, so it, it, I pull experiences and uh, personality traits even from from my personal experiences by, uh, my even personality traits. so and I, I pumped it into these doctors or these patients and I added a little spy, a little mystery in there, a bit of thriller and, uh, and actually the first time you know I just wrote a very quick draft for the novel and because you know I, I didn't do very well in English class. I actually got uh, I was a C and Ds doing in English. But um, I think it's because the professors might have been you know, jealous of me. But that's besides the point. And I never thought I would be a writer, but I wrote something very quickly, sent it to a good friend of mine who is an avid reader. She loved it. She told me, just just keep going. Just polish it, make it better, make the story better, and, and I think you have something. And so with the encouragement from my friend, from my family, uh, I pumped out the first novel, <laughs> uh, uh, No Second Chances, Final Diagnosis uh, series.
0: I think I think it, when you're writing a book, I think it doesn't really matter too much about grammar and all that because you've got loads of things now that you can use online that can do it all for you. I think as long as the spirit of what you've written is okay, because you could also uh, do uh text to speech or speech to text, so you can write a book that way. Yeah, no, that's true. A lot of um
1: colleagues do that. They do text-to-speech. And, of course, there's like no grammar correction at all. And I, I can imagine the proofreader going through that and just having a, <laughs> having a blast. Um, on the same note, I think um, a lot of the things I write is very controversial. It's very um, sarcastically written. Uh, and it's very, um, I don't know, it's me. My personality, I don't have a filter, term. So I, I just write what I say and say what I write. And <laughs> and. Well, not, not everybody not everybody appreciates that. Uh, we uh, we do live in a very politically correct society, so you know, let's you know, dot your eyes, cross your t's, be polite. But uh, I'm, I'm not that way.
0: <laughs> well, I used to work in men- mental health, so I know what you mean. You have to have a sense of what I call dark humor, because that's the only way you go through the day. People think, oh, you can't do that. I said, but you have to have it. Because things you see and do, you you literally won't go in the next day. I know. It it, it is a bit... I mean, when you study
1: medicine even, you have a bit of a dark humour. Because, for example, even before the vape vape, um, vape, vape cigarettes, vaping cigarettes, um, started causing deaths... I already predicted it because I studied medicine and I, I saw what they were doing, I saw how it was being used, and I said, you know what? Just one bacteria gets into that lung, someone's going to die. And lo and behold, that's that's what happened. That's very unfortunate that I, you know, it was a bit of a dark humor, but uh, on the same note, I had the foresight to kind of see that that was going to happen. Do you, th-
0: do you think that... Um, there's a a, a a high the difference between the standard that you learn medicine in America to the standard in, in England. Obviously, you haven't got a national health system. Although they, apparently we're going to sell it to you, but I don't think you knew about that. <laughs> well, I, I've I've done a tour in, in
1: England uh, and in uh, well, say let's say Great Britain uh, because I also visit Scotland and uh, and Wales and point is that um, it was for QB.com, the largest medical question bank, and I visited these uh, universities that were teaching medicine to these students. I talked to the students, and it was really funny because I was a, a bit more senior student than the, the incoming freshmen, and I was asking them questions like, well, what's, uh, what's this bone here? Or, what's, uh, what's diagnosis for this patient when you look at this x-ray? And you know what? We're all the same. We're all kind of green. We, we need to learn the medicine. The medicine's all um, pretty much the same. Uh, Throughout the world, your body is no different than my body. Uh, You know, my body in America, your body in, say, England or in Europe, it's the same same body, it's the same anatomy. You know, when you do dissection, there's some, say, genetic deviance, um, deviations. I'm sorry. Um, For example, a a blood vessel may be located in a different location, but not not much further apart than where you would look for, say, that vessel. Uh, So, medicine pretty much is universal, the same. The only differences would be the, say, treatment options. For example, Europe has paracetamol. We have uh, 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 talinol, which is, uh, oh, my God, I, I can't remember the chemical name for Tylenol. But the, the point is that different chemicals, same class of drug, but um, uh, just a, it's just a, a different chemical that would be used, uh, say,
0: uh, in Europe versus in America. So As you mentioned so- before... <laughs> about the lack of doctors and nurses do you think it's because of the long hours or because you think we don't take it um, people don't see it as a future career anymore well um, I explained
1: that in my first book um, the nonfiction one uh, is there a doctor aboard? Um there's like many facets to the reason why we are missing doctors um, not missing doctors but say having a doctor shortage a doctor shortage crisis even uh, one of the uh, main reasons is the older generation is retiring, so we lose doctors uh, through the older generation. And we need more doctors to take care of the older generation, so it's like a double-edged sword there. The second problem is, is that we have a very big, uh, say, metrop- metropolises in, in the world. Uh, you know, you have Paris, we have San Francisco, and all the doctors really flood to these metropolises leaving the rural areas, lacking doctors. So that's, that's another problem we're facing. And of course, the long hours, nurses and doctors just get overworked, they're tired. Um, there, there's a lot of unsung heroes uh, in, in the ER or AE, uh, depending on which country you are in, and, and they, they are depressed, they are, they are in need of extra care. They are in pain even, but yet they have to put on a brave face and take care of, the, of their patients. Uh, so that's that's another problem. and I do see um, my colleagues that went to medical school with me that are not being doctors. they're being consultants, they're selling pharmaceutical therapies. they're doing anything and everything except practicing medicine. and it's just a shame because they're great students uh, in medical school and I thought, great, we have another healer uh, that will be helping the world. And at the end of the day, they joined Corporate America, which I don't blame them. I mean, you know, you know, if someone, if a pharmaceutical company or say uh, a genetic therapy company came up to you and said, "I'll offer you half a million dollars a year," or you you don't have to practice medicine, but you have to do, say, research or something something that's less um, uh, involved with healing patients um, versus okay, um, as a as a fresh doctor, you know, quarter million dollars a year, but long hours. So that's you know, and you know, what would you do? I, so I don't blame them of them that shows a different route, shows a different direction after graduating from medicine.
0: I, I think it's very important that when you go through um, crisis situations that you have what they call the military do, like a debriefing after the event. Do you do a lot of that?
1: Um, yeah, I think uh, I think we all kind of have coping mechanisms. Uh, I, uh, I I actually... <laughs> My coping mechanism is, is burying myself in work, burying myself with my, say, next novel or, say, a new novel series. Um, I, I really probably should try to bury myself with play with my kids. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm working on a life-work balance. Um, many people have breathing exercises. Um, unfortunately, many also uh, turn to the bottle or turn to drugs, which is um, also um, a, a what people do, and uh, a bit of a shame that they, they go in that direction. Um, we do, I think, need uh, a society that um, really takes care of their uh, their doctors, takes care of their healers. Um, should we, you know, graduate doctors with mounting debt, um, and that's adding stress to their life, you know, preventing them from providing the best care because they're under so much debt? You know, I don't I don't know what the fix is, but. Uh, we do have problems, so the question is, how do we work together as a society, as government agencies, as um, associations, American Medical Association, to solve these problems? Then we do need to work, th- work this out, otherwise by 2030 we are going to be short. Uh, I think the, in my book I said something like 70,000 doctors, that's that's, uh, that's insane.
0: <laughs> Very <laughs> scary. I'm going to give you a little example of Chapter 1, Check Your Diagnosis. <clears throat> All good thrillers start with a bang, a gunshot, an explosion, a beautiful woman. But on the day this saga begins, I wake to the sound of a knock on the front door. Three loud thumps that whip me from an uneasy sleep. I have no friends, as far as I remember. People dislike me, but few hate me enough to come knocking in person at such an ungodly hour of noon. A shot of whiskey sits on my nightstand. Life is short, so why not start the day with a proper breakfast? I Down the whisky once a week. There can be only one person knocking at this hour. I hear the front door unlock. I smell coffee. Instinctively, my mouth waters. Breakfast is here. Well, lunch. Lunch was a side of guilt. Phil is his name. Phil the Phil man. Or did I just make that up? Whatever his name, he complains about being forced to make deliveries to me, especially deliveries of a certain controlled substance. A simple pharmacist. Says, but, unfortunately for him, a foolish man, at least I didn't cheat on my wife with a prostitute. Not that I who have a wife. What I do have is a never-ending supply of orange bottles containing small white peels. They look like over-the-counter painkillers, but you can't get those over-the-counter. I like you. I can see your sense of humor. <laughs> it's a bit
1: sarcastic, a bit dark, isn't
0: it? <laughs> but I like it. I, I like. I like... That style, because I think because I, I like um, comedy horror, and I think you can get over things a bit more when you put a bit of comedy in there. People don't expect the scare, or the next bit you might go into the, a more detailed, a uh, medical bit, and they're going, "Oh wow, I didn't see that going. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Um, I, ch- I try to make it entertaining,
1: um, and and actually that that patient. Uh, the person that you were reading about is the main character, and of course, it's based off of me, uh, because there was moments in my life where um, I would wake up, and I would just, you know, start off the day with uh, a shot of whiskey. Uh, I was uh, I was in chronic pain for, for many years. Uh, actually, I'm still in chronic pain, but uh, I, I've learned to cope better, uh, with better, uh, say, uh, coping mechanisms. And... Uh, and so that was how I started the day. Um, I would start the day with, say, uh, a painkiller and a shot of whiskey, and head to my medical school. And uh, and that's that was my life. Um, every day was was a struggle trying to get out of bed. Uh, I had thirteen knee surgeries in my life.
0: And, Ouch. Uh,
1: and it's uh, it's it's taking its toll on me. Um, so it is it is what it is, I guess.
0: Now tell me a little bit about Q U. Oh, Q-U-P-I. QB, it's the
1: largest medical question bank. So, as I was studying medicine, it's great to memorize all the theoretical knowledge and general medicine that you will need, but it's more important that you practice it, and you don't get the opportunity to practice it until you are a clinician, uh, which is usually year three or year four in the American system, Uh, and I believe about uh, year three, year four, even in in the uh, European system, they start... Kind of getting you in to seeing patients, at least taking history around year three, and year four in the European system. So, what better way to practice medicine um, than using multiple-choice medical questions? And so, I have 10,000 medical questions, multiple-choice medical questions, where you are put in the shoes as a clinician and you see a patient. Twenty-year-old patient comes in, has uh, say an ulcer on his genital region. Uh, what is it? Which STD, is it? Does he have a fever? Does he not have a fever? Um, is there, say, white pus coming out, you know? A uh, 35-year-old female comes in coughing, um, you know, with a red-tinged uh, sputum. So what type of bacteria or virus could it be? So these are the, the questions that we're asking on QB.com to help you practice your medical knowledge so that you can be very quick on the spot as a clinician and diagnose the patient, hence final diagnosis. <laughs> All
0: right, Dan. also I've got your little... Um News thing up, he got like, I w- will I survive medical school? Depression among medical students is no laughing matter. Know what you're getting into. Don't be afraid to ask for help. Put the joy back into your education. I will survive medical school, quiz. I like this one. It's 7 and 8 p.m. on a Friday. You're sitting in the library, surrounded by teetering stacks of textbooks. All you can hear is the coughing and shuffling of her students, the crackling of laptop keys. The occasional muttered conversation. Your phone vibrates in your pocket. Party at Sean's. Wanna come? What do you do? In order text. Go party. See you politely decline. Question two. <laughs> <laughs> that is so true.
1: That was, that was, um, since I experienced, um, Medical school in three different countries, uh, and it's all the same. <laughs> you know, all the students are in the library studying their uh, butts off and, and, and trying to succeed. And uh, and since I had so much experience from even three different countries, um, I decided to write some sort of uh, guide and some self-help, uh, I guess, um, uh, articles for for the incoming freshmen, for the incoming students that want to be doctors, so that they can get a feel of what it's going to be like, <laughs> they probably have a good idea, but uh, I throw in some more details and also some tips and hints to, to be successful, to survive medical
0: school. It is, it is a grueling uh, situation there. As I'm looking at your other members of the team. You've got, I'm going to mispronounce some of their names badly. Damian <laughs> Ratazek.
1: <laughs> Damian Ratajczak.
0: Yeah. I'm sorry, if he. I'm saying in advance to them, Isabella. I'm oh, not even trying to pronounce the second name. <laughs> Isabella Shimchak. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. It's very. Uh, it's very. him head on and Nathan Thomas.
1: Yeah, that one's easy.
0: <laughs> yeah. I apologise in advance to them, I do. Apologize.
1: No worries.
0: <laughs> it's nice yeah. to mention them because they're part of your team, so.
1: Yeah, they are. They are. Um, Nathan, uh, he's he's my editor. He helps me polish up my my writing uh, and make it look professional and clean. Um, he also does a bit of copywriting for us, marketing wise. Then we've got Isabella Simchak. She uh, and Damian, I met in Poland when I was studying medicine in Poland, and uh, so she manages the uh, American side of things uh, for QB.com and. Uh, Damian manages the Polish side of things for, for QP.com, and, and we, do, um, we try to do tours in, in England, Great Britain, for promotion uh, of QP.com, but uh, last year we were, we were busy because we, uh, we shot a film, <laughs> uh, so we decided to skip last year's uh, tour in, in, uh, in the UK, which was, uh, people, people were asking, hey, where are you guys, but, uh, you know, it is what it is, I can't be in two places at once, unfortunately.
0: Now, what did you think about the filming process? Because obviously, if you wrote written a book, because they can the confines of a film is normally two hours, and they can't they have to condense what you've done. Mm-hmm. Do you would you rather they condensed it and got some of the essence of the book, or would you rather they got ninety percent of the essence of the book? Well, that's a that's a great question because
1: fighting back and forth with, um, say, Hollywood, as well as my, my team, on the direction we should take this film. And what we've decided to agree on is, I think we're going to pull it back from a f- featured film and make it 30-minute shorts. Because if we do 30-minute shorts, we can actually um, t- tell and spell out each uh, chapter of the book very nicely, or even combine some chapters. Depending on the situation, and we can actually probably um, deliver the, the novel as as accurately as uh, <laughs> cin- cinematically possible, of course, uh, with ten episodes about uh, say five hours of of, uh, of footage, and so that's the direction actually we're we're going now um, after a lot of back and forth. Because we first thought we could probably pull off it as a full uh, feature, but. We resigned from that because there's just so much detail, and so much of the story, and so many characters is in the novel that uh, we would do the novel injustice. So we've, we're going in that direction. So that was a great question, and just actually got answered finally uh, this month because we were really doing it back and forth and, and having, that, having that conversation about how to uh, how to deliver this uh, novel uh, you know, you know,
0: with with justice with, with proper uh, storytelling. Would you put that on a like a, um, a Netflix or an Amazon kind of series?
1: Yeah, I would love um, a video-on-demand company to pick it up. Uh, of course, Netflix is the biggest, but yeah. Um, what we will be creating is something that um, is very watchable, very entertaining, um, and for those medical professionals, very accurate and precise when it comes to the medicine. I know there's a lot of medical dramas out there, Grey's Anatomy, House M.D., and, and, and other ones that kind of um, <laughs> over-exaggerate the, the medicine part. Oh, yeah, uh, I like them. <laughs> uh, yeah, they're great, and, and, that's, and it's cinematically beautiful, but what I wanted to do was I wanted to pull back from that and just focus on um, the storyline, but have accurate, precise medicine involved, accurate symptoms, accurate diagnosis. Um, even the blood tests are so precise. If you are thinking this, you would use this exact blood test, and so it's a bit um, heavy on the medicine side. But I really balance it out with the storyline, so that you, you know, for those that are more interested in the drama thriller side, you've got that taken care of. And for those medical professionals who are going to be judging me with a fine comb, t- <laughs> fine tooth comb, uh, uh, look, uh, you will not be disappointed. I've written it.
0: With precise medical knowledge. I can see it working as a series' I'm reading the little bit I've got here you, you it could you could easily put bits and pieces in in it and without um needing too much dialogue all the time you could you know you can do film shots that would explain everything in one go you like film a man standing at the door you'd have him standing door with coffee going on and you go into the door, and that explains a part of that bit already. hmm mm-hmm. uh, Yeah, there's definitely,
1: well, it's 30 minutes, so we're, we're going to uh, definitely have some action. There's, um, there's, gonna be, there's definitely going to be some fight scenes. Uh, I'm, I'm already in talks with choreographers, my, my choreographers, and they're really excited uh, to be working with me because um, I'm actually, I've studied fencing, but not the fencing that, uh, like, uh, European oil fencing. Um, I studied fencing with the uh, shinai, the uh, katana, the Japanese sword.
0: Well, I so, mean, that's still that's still a form of movement, isn't it?
1: Yes, and, and so I want to actually bring that into my novel, but I want to mix it with the, say, European uh, styles of fencing, um, I know Polish has the Polish sabers, um, of course the foil fencings, but um, every culture actually has um, a, a rich history with, with the blade.
0: So you could, what you should have done is put it into the a story into like the eighteenth or sixteenth or seventeenth century when dueling was around, and instead of using guns, because they they don't want they don't want to um, waste the bullets. You could have them drooling with the swords instead. Exactly. Yeah, you, you'll love
1: my uh, my, uh, my. director. My director said, can you write something where uh, one of the, say, patient or the doctor has like a vision and they are transported back to ancient Greece or ancient Egyptian time and, and they're doing diagnosis then. And I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> I can try. <laughs> but yeah, this is, you know, we are definitely trying to be creative. Um, and definitely um, medicine actually was, uh, the cancer was discovered in Egypt, you know, and, and, and of course, Greece and, uh, and the Romans, um, you know, continue to the tradition of knowing about cancer, but it was it was occurring uh, during Egyptian times, so we've known about cancer for many, many years, so there's, it would be interesting to kind of put yourself in that position, in that palace, even, of these uh, pharaohs or these nobility class, and these, uh, say, uh, medicine professionals, I don't know, uh, what they would be called back then, but would be oh yeah, this is the uh, cancer, and, and this is how you would treat it with say these, these herbs or these these chemicals. it would be it would be interesting to uh, dig that information out and create a story out of that. But that's a uh, that's a lot of research.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it's one of those things, isn't it? I mean, I think that I I think that you obviously got a good knack for the words and you're very good at explaining things obviously because of the doctor background but it all helps it all helps in the long run because i find when you're writing something you have to be inspired by what you're writing and you have to believe in what you're writing i mean sometimes some people might go oh that's a load of hogwash but you think i don't care because i wrote it and as long as one person likes it i don't care what you think I studied business and, and marketing and advertising, so um, I always
1: uh, have the, the impression that if you're going to do something, it has to be sellable, so I, I really made sure that whatever I wrote was um, sent to critics and um, given feedback um, so that I could improve on it, make it better, make it marketable before for the population, and, and I'm really proud of my work, obviously. So if it, if no one reads it, it would be it would be a shame. It would be a
0: disappointment. <laughs> Who did the drawings? There's a nice drawing of the, of the brain. I like the drawing of the man sitting by the window with. A, I think it's a pen or a pencil in his hand. Mm-hmm. That's a very good drawing. I like it because it's black and white and it's a lot of shading and and you you sort of see half his face, but yes. not all of his face.
1: He's a Polish uh, painter. You now his name is Gabriel Rodak. He's also my uh, my director. He has such a very good eye uh, for for colors, for scenography, for action, for for the characters' movements. Uh, and uh, he's he's just really a very talented man. Uh, he can paint. He can direct. Uh, he can even act. He's <laughs> he's he's done. Very good coaching of the actors to get them to where they needed to be to deliver um, to deliver my words, I guess, on, on screen.
0: Have you put uh, your book in audio form as well?
1: I'm I'm working on that. It's uh, it is in uh, it is in the process, but uh, I just I'm so bombarded with so much uh, work with the film and the novel and um, polishing up the second novel, uh, so. Uh, I, I would love to find some time. Um, I'm, I'm working with somebody, but hopefully find some time maybe next month or in the next three months to sit down in the uh, in, in the studio and, and uh, either do it myself or hire someone to to do it. So we.
0: we I think you should do like the intro. If you do do uh, like uh, audio book and you do get someone else to do it, you could always always do like an intro, like uh, this is my book. Da 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 da. Now it's being read by da 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 da.
1: Yeah, exactly, exactly. But um, I, I need to sit down with the, the person that will be uh,
0: managing that. I just have that time. Oh, yeah, but obviously you've got a vision of what... I mean... Uh, and sometimes that vision might not be what you hear. You know, you might... Somebody might read it and Oh, I don't think you quite caught the passion that I wanted in that bit. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, it's like sometimes... If you read a book that's been written in American English and then you read some words and you go, what does that mean? Same as sometimes you read a book in British English. You'll go and say, what? They spoke that, that wrong? What does that mean? <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, yeah, that's that's definitely true. Actually, in my novel, um, there's also some um, other languages in there. Uh, because it's set in Prague there's some check in there as well and so we've uh, but we, we try to obviously in the novel form in the, in the readable form uh, you can figure it out what it means um, but say if it was audio um, it might get lost in translation <laughs> who knows
0: well you can always do what they do on films do subtitles well for audio <laughs> yeah you could do I, I I've done it as a uh, 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 I did a, um, a horror story based on audio descript.
1: Oh, yeah, okay, that makes sense.
0: <laughs> yeah, I thought it was good the good way you're saying when someone's talking away and I had to thought, oh, I like that idea. The characters are listening in and they're on about a murder and then they're turning around, it was you, wasn't it, George? And they go, <laughs> Yeah, it was the first thing they wonder about in the old people's home, they actually committed the murder years ago. Oh, wow.
1: Well, that's good.
0: Um, I, have you got any other future projects in the pipeline?
1: Uh, yeah, I actually just started my... Um, <laughs> it's almost like a memoir. It's, it was my, my wife's idea. She told me, look, uh, you, you have such um, a dry, sarcastic bit of dark, even, sense of humor, just write what you say, and you will have a novel, so I'm actually, I'm actually writing, um, uh, the the working title is called Father of the Forking Year, and it's basically, (laughs) yeah, it's, it's basically me, um, and, and say, my internal monologues, um, as a father, as a husband, and, uh, I can, I can share something, like, uh, with you uh, basically, um, uh, my, so my wife is delivering my child, right? Yeah. And, of course, uh, this is the traditional, ah, this is all your fault, you are the worst husband, you, you gave me all this pain, and all this, you know, uh, you know, problems, right? And then I said, uh, well, in our minds, and, um, we're thinking, you know, women are always saying that they're so strong that they have to give birth, and that, um, Something the size of the watermelons coming out of there, you know, woohoo! And uh, and and the men are are the weaker sex, right? And I'm thinking, actually, I think we're the stronger sex, sex taking the abuse from our <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> spouse. We'll go, yes, point. dear, that's lovely, dear, thank you, dear. <laughs>
1: Because I mean, think about it. How many husbands are there, like actually supporting their wife, even though they're being yelled at and screamed at, and going, "Honey, you're doing well. Just one more push." <laughs> got this, you know, like, we can take it,
0: actually, so, <laughs> so and, and my, if you have watched the stuff. films, the, ba- the baby always has, uh, like, three, like, a, a month's worth of hair on its head. I know, they, they
1: do, they do, uh, they do, um, actually, my, uh, my son had a lot of hair, actually, surprisingly, my, my daughter did, my daughter came out bald, <laughs> but my son actually had quite a but of, you know, he
0: had hair, I was like, whoa, that's, that's, you know, he's, you know, hopefully he'll keep it, not like his father. Uh, Do you find that there's any, um, I suppose this is a weird question now, I don't know if I can, um, I don't know how to phrase this one, um, that's going to phrase it, do you find any problems culturally? Uh, culturally, um, as, say, an Asian American, or? Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to phrase it nicely.
1: Oh, yeah, no, fair enough. Um, as an Asian American, and as an Asian American living in Poland, uh, for for example, because half my time I'm in Poland, uh, my my wife's family is from Poland. Um, so, as an Asian American, I live in the Silicon Valley. So, I think we outnumber everyone else. Um, the Asians, um, and when I say Asians, I'm, I'm including India and China. So, you know, there's you know everywhere you go, there's people that are from India or China. Uh, or from here, from the cultural or heritage side of it of things. So um, I, I didn't really feel uh, any um, awkwardness um, growing up, say in the Silicon Valley of, of California. Uh, but when I went to travel and study medicine in different locations, um, Prague and Antigua, and of course Poland, 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 then I started noticing. Oh, okay, so we we are not the majority. <laughs> And, um, and it was fine, I think, um, most people just kind of ignored me, because, oh, he's he's probably from China, or he's a tourist, so it wasn't really anything, actually, I got a lot of people thinking I was from Kazakhstan, uh, and I was like, well, I don't look like Bo- uh, Bo- Borat, <laughs> from, uh, that, that, uh, that show Borat, uh, the, the film, <laughs> I don't look like him, but, uh, apparently, uh, in Kazakhstan, they look very, um, even almost Chinese looking, I guess, so. Uh, it's possible but a lot of them have like lighter colored hair and even blue eyes so um, I, I'm typical black hair brown eyes uh, from, from China
0: <laughs> where would you like to think you would be in like five years time for now
1: oh I you know I I, I started medicine and I usually finish everything I start and I think um, <laughs> I think I probably will go back to medicine uh, it's I'm really good at the knowledge part of it, and it would be nice to finish it with the clinical training and, and be a doctor, I guess, or at least uh, license that I can practice if I want to. <laughs> that would be nice. Um, on the same note, hopefully all my novels will be finished by then. Um, my goal is to write five novels, and if uh, if uh, God willing, maybe even five uh, uh, series, uh, a film series for, for the novels. So that would be where I would be like, like to be in 5 years yeah.
0: so would you like to mention for people that listening your where people can get your book and check out your website
1: all right so the film website is actually called no second chances but the second is actually 2 uh, the number 2 n d so no 2 n d chances.com my, uh, my website, jtmaticus.com, should be live uh, shortly, probably next year, but you can always find me on Facebook, Jason Maticus, uh, or the JT Maticus uh, fan page or official page, and there's also the Instagram, JT Maticus, so that's J-T Maticus, M-A-D-I-C-U-S, Maticus. Oh, and, uh, the fine. novel. The novel on Kindle already. So if you search for "Final Diagnosis: No Second Chances," J.T. Maticus my Kindle version of the novel, uh, with the illustrations,
0: the oh, cool well, look out. Are, are already um, available for for the
1: uh, for those who can't wait for the printed version.
0: Right. Um. As always, you we've always run out of time and things like this. I imagine you get that a lot. When you do other shows, you're thinking, my God, that went quick. It was lovely. And, um, I'd like to ask my guests because I like to do a unique sign-off before I go. So, what would be your unique sign-off? Uh, I
1: guess my unique sign-off would be, uh, JT Maticus, uh, Relentless Creator, and, uh um, Do uh, do what makes you happy. Pursue what makes you happy. Um, So if if writing makes you happy,
0: do what makes you happy. Here's mine to you, my friend. You be medicus to go qpi.com because you are Medicalus or and copious. You'll find out more and look up the book. When you read it, you'll have a laugh and find out What was that medical condition I found out last week? And watch out for the film series. It'll be out there soon. And you may even see Jason being in it in a little part somewhere. Because, hey, he wrote it, so why not? And thank you, and good night.